Hello, and welcome to SG Squared. Steve Gladen, the global pastor of small groups from Saddleback Church, pulls from his over 25 years of experience to encourage and equip listeners like you to lead small group ministries. So let's listen and learn together. Welcome to SG Squared, Steve Gladen on small groups. Derek here with the main man, Steve Gladen. Steve, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, man, it's good. It's going good. We got a, a new year. Whenever you have a new year, you have a, a bunch of new starts and new things, uh, new opportunities. It's uh, kind of like uh, when you and I are in the college football craziness of a, of a you know, a new offseason. Everyone, everyone has such high hopes in, a, in an offseason, but then reality sets in like it did for both of our teams. And, uh, but in the church world too, a, a new year, there's more optimism, more things, more excitement, uh, more, uh, you know, people are more stirred up to try stuff new and to see what God can do. So, uh, it's an exciting time to kind of be able to, to air this particular episode, because I think it should help, uh, a lot of people in small group land try to figure out, okay, how can we retool uh, after we've had a big push probably in the month of January, but how can we retool and uh, start to get ready for what God wants to do? And being that it's uh, in the middle of dead winter here, January, uh, I mean, February, hopefully you're not uh, suffering too much weather-wise in uh, SoCal there, Orange County. No, we just had, it's actually the beautiful time of year because rain, it's our rainy season. So everything, believe it or not, winter flowers grow and winter grass grows and, you know, so lots of rain and stuff like that. It's only in the mid sixties though. So it's chilly for us, but beautiful and the air is all clean and everything because of the rain. Those of us in the Northern parts of the country, like uh, maybe some friends in Minnesota, Montana are vomiting right now hearing you talk about. 60s and sunny but hey i guess congratulations are in order because you've got some big family news to share that pertains to your oldest child yeah our daughter erica got engaged uh towards the close of last year and got a july wedding that we're prepping for so uh all kinds of craziness it was it was great when uh her fiance uh, asked or when her boyfriend at the time asked for the blessing, uh, super tender, a great time. We had a good time to pray and stuff like that. But it was, it was great because when he goes, uh, you know, I, I love God. I love, love your daughter. I love your family. I'd love the blessing. And so I gave a piece of paper and I said, once you sign this strict, no return policy, then you can uh, have my blessing. <laughs> He laughed, he laughed, he goes, man, I'll do that in a heartbeat, but it's, it's been great. And, uh, his name is Jack. And so we're looking forward to what God's got in store for them as they're in Nashville. So it's a, it's a fun time. So you're full on living out in real time, the, uh, father of the bride movie right now. Yeah. The only thing I'm trying not to do is get thrown in prison because of, uh, some expenses. There's a, there's a lot of budget creep that, uh, I feel like I'm the no guy. So, but, um, hopefully I'll get to the end of it and, and enjoy the day. Wow. Well, congratulations. That is so yes, exciting sir. for you guys and Erica and man, yeah. I cannot believe that. Well, man, it's just been a little over a year now since you guys had a major transition at Saddleback church with your new lead pastor coming in, taking, uh, 
Rick Warren's spot. So first I want to ask you, how's it going with that transition now that you're a year removed and what's, what's it like at Saddleback in this new year of 2024? No, yeah, I mean, it's, it, there really are some great learnings and that's where a lot of this show came from of what we're trying to, uh, you know, on, on thinking critically and we'll unpack that in a second, but I would say just on a macro level, when you, we had the perfect storm of, you had, uh, the, the, the COVID issues you had, um, you know, Rick transitioning, which, you know, you don't want to be a personality driven church. You want to be a purpose driven church, but there's still people who gravitate to a, a pastor versus being a part of, part of the body. And you lose some of those people, you lose some through COVID. Uh, I, I think the, the bigger thing for a lot of our people that I saw is that you had, um, a lot of people who could move out of California, uh, really populate, uh, Arizona, Utah, Idaho. Tennessee, Texas, uh, if they could move, they did move and stuff like that. So it, it really was a little bit like a, uh, a gut punch in that. But when Andy came on board, it's been fun to see the church going this way. Right now we're in the middle of our second growth spur and just seeing God bring back what COVID tried to take away. And so it's, it's exciting. It's very different, but, uh, whenever you have somebody new, uh, everything gets questioned, not in a bad way, but in a great opportunist way. And so, um, that's why it, it is an exciting time. And that's why even in our small group ministry, we're, we're going to be rifling through all these things about how do you think critically, um, not just to think critically, uh, sometimes it's because you don't have budget and you got to think of how you're going to do more with less, but even if you do have which we are blessed with that, you still want to think critically because God is doing something new. And I think through um, Mark uh, 2.22, when um, Jesus talked about, uh, you don't put new wine in old wineskins because the wineskin will burst and the new wine will be gone and the old wineskin will be messed up. And what, and what that really sim symbolically means is that I can't tell you through COVID how much I heard people saying, you know, we need a new wineskin, we need a whole new wineskin. But now that COVID's come and gone, all of a sudden you're into that zone where people have returned back to doing church the exact same way. There was no learnings. There's no nothing. There's, I can go back to the old way. I will go back to the old way. And I think there's a strong miss in that. And, uh, it's like my life first in Proverbs 26, 11, you know, it's as a dog returns back to his vomit. Uh, so for any of you that have dogs and you've watched them vomit, you know, you got to stop them from licking it up, which is very gross. And sorry to say that on the podcast, but there is an opportunity that, that we've gone through a tough time that made us very nauseous and, and it's taken us longer than probably most churches expected to come out of COVID. But there's an opportunity here that God is opening up. I can remember uh, reading a business article. This is back in 22. Uh, and um, it was saying that uh, it was talking about uh, Las Vegas and how they be in full economic recovery till 2024. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's impossible. We're, we're already past COVID. How could it take that long? And for a lot of churches, it's taking a while to, you know, get up speed. And there's some churches where COVID didn't happen in the, on the planet. 
uh, uh, thank you, uh, Texas. Thank you, Florida. Thank you, uh, Nashville. Um, where, you know, the churches may not have gone, but, uh, in other parts of the country where, you know, it, there was a strong governmental clampdown and things like that, uh, churches, some churches really suffered. And I've been excited as we've gone through this critical thinking process with Andy and, uh, coming on board with his team and, and meshing with our team to see a lot of different things. So pretty excited to, um, kind of jump in and see what's happening. Yeah, that's great to hear of the growth and just the energy. It always takes, man, time, right? To transition yeah. and, 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 and really kind of settle into that new season. So that's great to hear. So, and that dovetails perfectly, like you said, with what we're going to talk about today in this episode of Think Critically, Eight Ways to Accomplish More with Less. Love that title. Excited mm -hmm. to get into these eight things. So, uh, Steve, why don't you hit us with number one? Yeah. Uh, one of the things, you know, as we're starting this, not only do we want to talk about thinking critically, and when we talk about think critically, it, it's not to be critical towards others. What we're talking about is, you know, sharpening the tools in your tool belt. Ecclesiastes 10.10 talks about how the dull axe takes much more energy to bring down the tree, but a sharpened axe, it comes down quicker. And so part of thinking critically is, is getting your tools sharpened. And at the close of the, sh uh, of the show, what we're going to talk about too, is how you can know you're on track. So we not, not only want to talk about ways that you can think critically because you don't do change just for change sake and you don't move things from just for moving it, but you've always got to go back and say, how do we know we're on track and how we're doing that? So let me just, uh, just kind of knock out a couple of these and then. Derek, if you want to do any play by play, you can, but number one thing right here is you got to ask yourself the question, what do we need to terminate? Now I'll just tell you, uh, I've been on staff at Saddleback 26 years and, and it was something that when we were talking about, you know, how can we, uh, what are things in the small group ministry to terminate? There's a part of me that would think through, well, if it needed to be terminated, I'd have terminated it. If it wasn't working, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd already done it. And there is something that, uh, what I've been learning in this transition is that every year you got to be thinking through what can I strategically abandon? And so, um, you know, what are the things that need to be terminated? And so Derek, I know you've kind of gone through this, but, uh, you may be doing something that's currently effective, but it needs to be abandoned in, in to move on and take your ministry to that next level. And I can think through, there's been some processes like in care, how do you do care with your group leaders? There's some things that we're, we're looking at abandoning and other things we're looking at picking up. So that would be number uno, one. And isn't that one, it seems like in ministry, that can be one of the harder things to do, right? Is stop something that you started. Yeah. And it's usually because there's people involved, maybe the pastor is okay with with killing this, but, oh, you've got these volunteers that, you know, this is their identity and they don't want to let it go. All right. Right. So. It, it is, it is so true. We just said Saddleback. One of the things that was beautifully that we had to terminate, uh, that we just did, um, but was super effective during COVID was our food pantry. We ended up being the largest grocery distribution unit in Orange County, which is 3.3 million people but it ran a season and we had to terminate it. 
And in the same way, in our small group ministry, there are things that run a season and they have to be terminated. So you bring up a good point. So that's number one. Ask what do we need to terminate? What is number two on the dock here? It's, it's what can you combine? What are things that you can combine? And I got a little bit ahead of myself when I talked about care, because um, this is one of the great things we're partnering with some of our larger campuses. Uh, a classic example is um, way back in the early days of Saddleback, we had, uh, we had a, a recovery program that was teamed up with Alcoholics Anonymous. But we also knew that we wanted to bring a biblical principle to it. And out of it got birth, Celebrate Recovery, which is now ministering to some 35,000 churches uh, in the United States. And uh, that's a classic example with that. But in the small group ministry, what are we combining? One of the things that we're getting, we're starting to look at is how do we give care to our leaders? And some of our leaders are plugged into multiple ministries. They're leading a small group because that's what they love to do. But they're also got many physical touches on our campus and other ministries. And so we're talking about how we can combine the care process that they can get from the ministries that they're face-to-face in, and also at the same time that, uh, you know, they're in with us. So a classic example is my wife. She, she leads a women's group uh, outside of our couples group uh, on campus, uh, but she's also involved in a ministry here at Saddleback. And so uh, there's care she gets there. And so what we're asking is in this combination thing, what care is happening with that some ministries on our campus give, which may be standardized or foundational care, but what is that we bring to the equation in our small group ministry that we can combine so that we're not doubling up trying to do two people doing the same type of care? I like it right out of the gate. What can you terminate? What can you combine? Um, great stuff. Okay. Number three, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, on this one, it's, it's what efficiency barriers can be dismantled. Now, let me walk through this. Cause at one point we simplified our structure by eliminating a la- layer of our ministry between what was our, uh, pastors and what was our, uh, our group leaders. Uh, we used to have two different layers in there. And what we were trying to do is figure out how can we be more efficient? And instead of having your pastor, and then we had some uh, district lay people, then we had coaches, then we had uh, our small group leaders, we combined two of those layers together to bring about more efficiency. And instead of having tighter care, I mean, instead of having one to five care from both the district people and our coaches, we combined those and we found out that if you uh, read in small groups with purpose, uh, chapter 14, we talk about uh, four buckets of care, pri- priority care, personal care, uh, phone care, and then persistent care that we give people. But you know what we were looking at are what are ways that we could be more efficient? And again, when uh, I'm gonna talk about when you're trying to figure out how do you know you're on track, that's how you figure out where some of these holes may be because the processes will help you out. And so you want to ask yourself, what efficiency barriers can, can we dismantle so that we can make our ministry much more better? 
Uh, a lot of this happened also for us in the, in the process of discovering leaders, because in leaders, you would raise your hand, say, I want to be a leader. We would vet you, we would interview you, and then we would uh, matchmake you with other people. And then we, when we went to two friends, that approach, which also is talked about in small groups with purpose, uh, chapters 11 through 13, but, uh, it, it, again, it was a more efficient way because I didn't have to have three full-time people that were matchmaking people every week, you know, people who wanted to be in a group and people who want and, and, and leaders who wanted to lead. And what we did is we simplified that and said, Hey, if you're truly a leader, you have followers. So influence the followers that you have. So, uh, there's a lot in that, in that, you know, particular point, but I would, would encourage you to say, you know, how can we bring better efficiency to our end user, which is the person trying to get ministered to in a group who you're trying to, in essence, disciple. And efficiency really goes back to that scripture you read at the top. Can you read that one more time? Uh, are you talking about the one in Mark 2, 22? Uh, was the, the sharpened ax? Oh yeah. Uh, Ecclesiastes 10, 10, uh, didn't read it just for going off memory with it, but oh. it's Ecclesiastes 10, 10, but it talks about, uh, you know, uh, a dull, a dull ax takes much more energy to bring down the tree, but a sharpened one it is more efficient and good point. It does, does really pull into that. And so it is the, you know, keeping work smarter, not harder is the bottom line with that. I, I learned that the hard way years ago hunting when I actually, uh, let's just say harvested a deer. Um, I never thought through, um, the importance of a sharp knife. Oh. It's so here I, here I, I get this thing and the sun is setting and it's getting dark quick. And I realize I have a very dull knife and let's just say it made for one fun night. That was an efficiency barrier that cost you dearly. So, so efficiency is key, right? Thinking through those things that can literally, like you said, make you work smarter, not harder. All right. What's uh, number four? Harder, not smarter is that on that. There part. you go. All right. Number four is, uh, what can we reincarnate? Now we're not talking anything about theology right here, but there may be some things in, and this is when I've been in ministry, uh, gosh close to 40 years, which is painful to say. Uh, but, um, but you do when they, there's old phrase, there's nothing new under the sun. And so, so often there's things that you can keep coming back to that may have had a season where they got wore out and they weren't efficiency efficient anymore, but there's ways to go back and say, uh, you know, is, is it something that we can bring back? You know, what did we used to use in the past that we can bring it back in a, in a new life, in a new form. And sometimes that is just simply technology, bringing more efficiency to how you can do things in the small group ministry. When I first started out, just talking about technology all by itself, everything had to be done in paper. And, uh, you know, from, you know, just trying to figure out who was on a roster, keeping track of groups. We did everything in Excel spreadsheets and we passed them around and we did everything that way. But, you know, it's not that you throw that away, but that the, some of those principles that were did in an old form can be re-resurrected into new technology or new ways or new way or new streams. So whether it's in social media, what you're trying to do in social media or what you're trying to do with technology, 
or what you're trying to do with AI or different things like that, you can reincarnate things uh, to make it through. One of the exciting things that we're working on is some new uh, Bible studies where uh, you actually will read the verse and you'll read the context and then do the questions or read the chunk of scripture. And then um, you'll read the context of that chunk of scripture and then you'll answer the questions. But we're doing a lot of that through AI. And so it's stuff that other companies used to do. And now we can uh, readily do it more quicker and efficiently uh, ourselves. So, but what, what may have been done in the past, and part of that is going back and asking people, how did you used to do this? What are the, some of those things that you used to do? And to see if there's anything that you can bring forth, uh, you know, into the future. Speaking of reincarn car, reincarnating, I don't know, I'm not saying that right, technology, you could bring back uh, my, uh, MySpace. <laughs> Uh, that's probably going just a little too deep in the vault. A little too deep in the vault, my brother. Okay, I think that was four. What do you got on deck for number five? Yeah, what can we coordinate and make things faster and larger and cheaper? And uh, <clears throat> one of the things that uh, I just want to bring here is a lot of times you can partner together with uh, people in other ministries that are doing things better. I can think through our last two campaigns. Um, uh, we did one called One Life and we partnered with uh, Every Home for Christ. And we were able to coordinate with them and we were able to do things better and deeper and faster because we aligned ourselves with them. Um, in this last thing, in the current churchwide campaign that we're doing right now, with children, students, and youth as we're partnering with uh, Tyndale in the Immersed Bible. And we're running through that. And it's helping us to be able to reach farther and do more things. So if you can coordinate with other ministries that can uh, complement what your church is up to, then the beauty of that is that you can be able to uh, go deeper, faster, and broader. And I just want to encourage you to be thinking through what are some, who are some of those ministries that God is going to bring to you that you can partner with because, you know, for every home for Christ ministry, they, uh, they helped with printing and, and they made stuff that it was so cheap for us to do it because they had funding to get evangelism in homes. And I just want to encourage you that a great ministry partner with that, uh, ten, working with Tyndale and the averse, uh, immersed Bible study. There's so many resources that they already had pre-done that can help us engage in a very different way God's word. So it's really a, a simple concept, but so exciting. And so often in churches, we feel we have to do everything our way. We've got to create everything. We've got to do it all when God has gifted many things around there. So part of doing that, you want to be thinking through, okay, you know, sometimes you do want to create your own church-wide campaigns. Sometimes you can partner with other ones that can help your small group ministry and give your staff a very well needed breather. I love that. What can we coordinate? That's yeah. at, at some of my previous ministry stops, some of our best small group campaigns was literally using a saddleback one that you had created. You know, I did it better than us because we were doing it so by the, the seat of our hands. But the beauty of it was, like you said, why do all the work? You know, when I, when I'm new and I'm at a newer church and I don't have all the resources, 
why why pull my hair pull my hair out trying to recreate the wheel when I can do something that's already packaged, you know, tailor it to what our culture is a little bit, but it was a win-win. It's kind of like, you know me, Steve, I'm a coffee snob. And when a new coffee shop starts up, one of the smartest things they can do is partner with a legit roaster that's popular in the region, right? Yep. Instead of creating their own, no, just use the the beans everybody loves and then you get them in the door. So I love that. What can we coordinate? All right. On to number seven, I believe. Number number six. It's number six. And and, and I know the Pacific Northwest can't count too well, but well, number six is a little bit similar to it's a, it's a cousin to number five, but it says, you know, what are we doing that we can change, repurpose or rejuvenate? And again, like when you're coordinating with other ministries on stuff that they have pre-done, there may be some things that are in your culture that people would naturally gravitate towards that you can just adapt and change a little bit to be able to uh, bring a, a great a great spin on bringing God into the equation. And I think one of the examples I can think through here is that uh, we knew in Orange County that, you know, at the start of the year, people are always into fitness and they're always trying to look on diet, like, like so much of the world and maybe even the planet. But that's where we came up with the Daniel plan because we knew culture was gravitating towards one way. What we wanted to do is bring a more God-centered approach to it. And that's where we had, you know, uh, the God-centered approach plus diet and lifestyle come together and make the Daniel plan where we were able to take and make a small group curriculum that kind of met culture where it was, but we helped them see the principles of where a God was. We also did the same thing in the transformed, uh, a campaign that we did, the churchwide campaign called Transformed, when we took seven principles that were deeply steeped inside our culture, but helped rewrite those so that they could have a bent towards God and brought people more back to where God was. And so, you know, what are things that you can change, repurpose, or rejuvenate so that you can make them powerful uh, by bringing people closer to God? Really good. Okay. Now I know how to count on to number seven. Yeah. Are there problems we can look at with, with a new light? And, um, this is where you, you can start to pull your teams together and say, you know, we are having, are we having challenges, you know, in, in, in our small group ministry, what are those challenges? Actually, I'm going to spend a little bit of time once we get past number eight to go more deeper into this particular point, but problems are opportunities. And so, uh, collecting all the problems that, that people have, there's two things I want you to realize from that. One is that when somebody's voicing a problem, generally they're sharing with you a passion that they have. So if somebody says, Hey, we're not training our group leaders the right way or fast enough, what they're really telling you is they have a passion for training. And you can probably spin that and say, you know, uh, you know, try to find the story behind their complaint. But generally, you can know that, that that's something that they're very, very excited about. The other thing problems can also state is it's helping you understand where the body is deficient. And in the same way, when you have a problem in your body, and as I'm growing older, I'm finding out that I have more problems in my body. What my body is telling me is that there is a deficiency somewhere in my body. 
could be fruits and vegetables. That wouldn't shock anybody. Uh, but there's deficiencies there. And so no cheese deficiencies. From, say what? No cheese deficiencies. No cheese deficiencies yet. So just back down on that. We're, we're still enjoying that. But uh, yeah, so think of this problems. There are there problems that we can look at in a new light. Look at the person bringing the problems because they may be actually your solution, but also look at the problems as an opportunity because the body is telling you there's a deficiency somewhere. I like that. The pe person bringing the problem might be the answer to your problem. That's anything else you want to share on that? Uh, you know, it's, it is, it, it is. And I would say to you, oftentimes we see people that bring problems as really, they are the problem, but it is something that sometimes you can get them to be part of your solution. And, yep. and I get there's people on both sides of the way. Sometimes there are probably people that just want to bark at you with that, but look at it both ways. So is it a deficiency or, or possibly could they be part of the solution to help you? Yeah. You just say, Hey, I'm glad you brought this up. You can fix it for me. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, and last but not least, number eight. You know, and that is, uh, what can we do to make our ministry more appealing? And what I, I'll just, on this point, what I just would really suggest with you, and then I'll wrap up the eight and then I'll, uh, bring them back to you. Uh, and then I want to talk to you about, you know, how, how can you know you're on track, but in creativity, uh, I have found that sometimes I can be creative in some areas. I'm not creative in others. Uh, there's a book called, uh, creativity Inc. And, uh, I would just encourage, I think it's, uh, Ed, uh, Catmull and a Amy Wallace wrote the book. It's an older book, probably been out good Lord with, uh, you know, how time passes. I'm not sure when it came out, but it's called creativity Inc. And I think the thing that I, that I would always want to bring around me are the people that are artsy people and they think creative. Derek is one of these on the podcast. Uh, oftentimes, you know, I'll bring him in and say, Hey, this is what we're thinking. And because he's got an arts mindset and a creativity mindset, you know, if I, Hey, have you ever thought about this or what can we bring here or even taking something totally and spinning it, you know, completely on its top. And in the same way, there are people in your church that are creative, but that book may, uh, help you with that. And so let me recap the eight really quick for you. Cause I know we took them through, you know, fairly quickly, but when you're thinking critically, think through these eight things. And then I want to talk to you about knowing that you're on the right track and what you can do with these eight things. First one is what do we need to terminate or the things in your ministry that you just got to stop to help make room. It's called pruning in the, in the biblical sense of in the garden, you want to prune so that things can grow better. Uh, what can we combine? What are the, some of the ministries in your church that you can partner with that actually can help you in new ways? We talked about caring. What are the efficiency barriers? Uh, what are efficiency barriers we can dismantle? Don't think about Derek killing the poor deer with a dull knife. Uh, but think about, you know, how you can, you know, be more efficient and work, you know, your ministry into being working smarter, not harder. Uh, what can we reincarnate? What are some of the things that may be done in the past that you can bring back and, and, uh, put a new spin on them and in a new light. Uh, number five is what can we coordinate to make things faster, larger, and cheaper? Give you two examples there partnering with two other ministries on 
two of our church-wide campaigns that we've done here at Saddleback, both since Andy's been here, it's been exciting. Number six, what are we doing that we can change, repurpose, or rejuvenate? And uh, part of that is taking uh, things that culture is gravitating towards, but helping them see how God is in that. We did that with the Daniel plan. Uh, are there problems that we can look at with a new light? And we just spun that problems can be two things. They can show you where there is deficiency in the body, but there's also people that bring the problems that may be part of your solution. And then number eight, uh, what can we do to make our ministry more appealing? And this is where uh, the creative side of ministry can be so exciting for uh, what you can bring uh, in your people. Derek, any things on that before I talk really quick just about, um, you know, how, how can you know uh, when you're doing ministry, how can you know that you're on track? I think these eight were great. And this is from your, uh, remind listeners what book this is from of yours. Yeah, a lot of this is from Planning Small Groups with Purpose. Uh, you know, just uh, working through one of the questions there is, you know, kind of taking a broader look uh, at, at your ministry. I think it was question, uh, if you get Planning Small Groups with Purpose, uh, I think it's question eight that we were looking at right there. Very good. So now let me just talk to you about, because when you think creativity, and I know uh, that, you know, that's an important part and those eight things are special that, you know, especially in the beginning of a year or when you're in a, in a slow time, like summer, you can, you can pause and you can go through these eight things and really start to look uh, critically at your ministry saying, how can I make it better uh, with, with, I can be, I can work smarter not harder, and I can get more with less out of my ministry. But I also want to talk to you really quickly, and this goes hand in hand with this, is knowing that you're on the right track. So let me give you five things that you can know you're on the right track, because a lot of times you can use these five things to be able to identify areas. And what happens is when you do these five things, thinking critically, naturally comes out and being a part of it. So really quick, number one, schedule an evaluation with your ministry. We just did this at the close of 2023. And um, we were got our, a lot of our ministry teams together that work in small group ministry. And we did the four helpful list. And basically we said, what's right? And those are the praises. And we all need praises. Uh, in our ministry. Uh, I've been doing this, like I said, 26 years at Saddleback, over 35 uh, uh, years of small group ministry, in, uh, of being focused at churches, and you always need praises. So what's right? What's wrong? And what's happening in the what's wrong category is you're asking yourself, what needs to change? What are the changing things that needs to happen? The third thing is you want to ask him, what's confusing? And what's confusing is what needs clarity. It may be there, but it's not functioning as good as it is. And then what's missing? And that's stuff that needs to be added. And so that four helpful list is a common things we'll come back to with some of the strategic leaders uh, in our ministry. It's a well, generally a hand-selected team of very different thinking people, different uh, ethnicities, different uh, genders. Uh, you know, different people in our church are new and old to kind of help them walk through this list of what's right, what's wrong, what's confusing, and what's missing. 
That's one way that you can kind of know that you're on track. I would encourage you to do that. Probably the primary thing we do. A second thing where you can get a broader spectrum of input from people is using surveys. And these are questionnaires that you don't want to ask too many questions, but it's an opportunity that you may do the four helpful list, but there's ways that you can be able to ask people in different ways, some questions just so you can know, am I on track with what we're trying to do? A third thing you can do is uh, interview people randomly. And I would encourage you, uh, and I learned this from Cheryl Bockelder, uh, who used to be the CEO that turned Popeye's chicken around, but she talked about skip leveling. And whenever she'd visit stores, she would always talk to the customers, not to the store managers, not to the employees, but to the, to the end users. And I would encourage you to, to interview people that attend small groups to see how, what you're trying to produce, are you really producing and asking them? A fourth thing you can do is uh, doing exit interviews from groups that stop meeting. And that's going to be a great way for you to get learnings of what caused it. You know, uh, sometimes it's people moving away. Sometimes it's people, you know, there could be a fracturing inside of the group, but you want to do exit interviews. And the last thing I would do is ask other ministries that you partner with inside your church on how are we doing with you? How are you working? And so part of knowing that you're on track bleeds straight into thinking critically. They kind of toggle back and forth. And I just want to make sure you had that little piece in there before uh, we uh, just, you know, closed out the show. Great show. Great insight as always, Steve. Uh, anything you want to say about the lobby later this month? Yeah. I mean, every year, uh, somewhere around the third week in February, we uh, bring together, it's a networking event. Uh, we'll bring together about a hundred small group point people uh, at the ranch. It's environments of uh, being able to be able to say, uh, let me put you in some conversations with people. Uh, some of you like smaller conversations, one or two people that, you know, we foster some of you like greater conversations, but one of the things I look forward to the most. So in that three day event, three days, two nights during the day events, the daytime part, we're always giving uh, opportunities for you to have downtime conversation time where you can kind of meet with people one-on-one -on -one. and then we'll set up little forms for full smaller groups of just questions. But what I'm really excited this year is, is that we tackle in the evenings, things that you naturally wouldn't. And on the first night, we're going to be tackling things about you that you need to be able to be working on things that you may not naturally go to such as prayer and fasting, and maybe looking under the hood of who you are. So we got two speakers that will do 30 minute talks on that. And on the second night, it's a little bit broader into the ministry where we're going to do uh, a talk on AI. Uh, if your church isn't engaging in that, I just want to tell you, please don't be behind the bell curve in, in culture. Embrace technology so that it can serve the kingdom. Don't get scared by what it's going to do. And, uh, and then another uh, quick talk on that is we're doing a panel on, uh, you know, what are some of the learnings from people who have been in ministry uh, 20, 30, 40 years. And so it's exciting time. So Lobby, you can just go up on smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash lobby and learn more about it. It got, it's got its name because, you know, uh, 
when I would go to conferences, I tend to get some of my best learnings in the lobby, uh, not necessarily from the plenary speakers. And so it's a great opportunity for you know, to have a three-day event where you're in nothing but the lobby. Yeah, one of the biggest small group ne networking events in the nation. Um, it's annually there in uh, Rancho Capistrano. And so, uh, like Steve said, go to smallgroupnetwork.com slash lobby for more info. And maybe we'll see you in a few weeks in sunny SoCal with Steve. Well, uh, Steve, thanks again for uh, this uh, interview. And thanks to everybody for watching or listening. We hope you really enjoyed this episode. And we hope it empowers you to lead better small groups. And uh, until next time, goodbye. See you later, guys. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And to dive in deeper, get more resources, or join the Small Group Network, just head over to smallgroupnetwork.com.